South Africa is really interesting to the extent that it is the absolute biggest beneficiary in terms of the volume of the exports going to the US. But this is where South African policymakers need to be, say, you know what, we're going to develop this agreement and we're going to stick to this agreement. Post Lady R allegations in May, which not only led to depreciation of the RAND, but another knock to business confidence in South Africa. Why is America committed to strengthening bilateral relations? And how does South Africa's stance in BRICS and the Israel-Hamas conflict influence this relationship? Hello, and welcome to OSIS podcast series. I'm Margot G, and today we will be reflecting on the much-anticipated AGO Forum, which is taking place this week in Maastricht, Johannesburg. The theme of this year's forum is partnering to build a resilient, sustainable, and inclusive AGOA to support economic development, industrialization, and quality job creation. More than 30 ministers from Africa and the US are attending the forum. With me today is Gracelyn Vaskaran, who is the Research Director and Senior Fellow for the Energy Security and Climate Change Program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, DC. She is also a Bi-Fellow in Economics at the University of Cambridge. You can find many of her columns in Business Day. Welcome, Gracelyn. It is a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Let us begin by giving some context about AGOA. This is not a bilateral trade agreement. Instead, it is US legislation passed in 2000 providing eligible African countries duty-free access to the US market. It has been renewed twice and is likely to be renewed again. What qualifies as an eligible country? AGOA focuses on a trade, not aid model, and it seeks to foster private sector-led growth to enable job creation. To meet AGOA's eligibility, countries have to establish or make continued progress towards having a market-based economy and human rights and political stability. And this becomes really important to the extent that if you lack these or have a disruption to these, you can lose your AGOA benefits. And we've seen this happen throughout the 23 years that we've had AGOA. In the last couple of years, we've seen Mali, Burkina Faso, and Guinea lose benefits, Ethiopia as the genocide advance there. And most recently, actually just in the last week, Biden announced that Gabon and Niger would lose benefits on the basis of the coups that happened recently, Uganda would lose benefits on the basis of the human rights for the LGBT community, and Central African Republic would also lose benefits. We often think about the loss of AGOA being, you know, other parts of Africa, but not so long ago, you know, in the last, what, five, ten years, we actually saw Iswatini lose benefits as well um, on the basis of labor and human rights. And then once they were able to rectify that, their AGOA benefits were reinstated. Okay, very interesting. So there were concerns about South Africa losing access to AGOA. What has been the impact of AGOA in the last 23 years? Thanks, Haru. That's a really interesting question because it has not been a linear narrative. And I want to preface that narrative by saying that the U.S. has you know, announced its unreserved support towards South Africa, that it has accepted the findings of the Lady R investigation, and that we are ready to move forward and actually increase our trade and investment with South Africa. So that's been really exciting. But it has brought an important question in terms of what is the benefit of AGOA? We've seen some kind of high-level U.S. policymakers say, you know what, AGOA's benefits are not working as intended. 
some countries aren't benefiting at all. Other countries are under benefiting compared to what it was intended. South Africa is really interesting to the extent that it is the absolute biggest beneficiary in terms of the volume of the exports going to the U.S. When AGOA first came in in 2000, it spurred an incredible amount of growth. And we see this, if I were to look anecdotally at a sector, the automotive sector is a great example. In 2000, South Africa exported about $195 million in automotive exports. But by 2013, that increased to $1.8 billion. And a hallmark of that were actually catalytic converters in our cars, which we use for emissions control. However, over time, the contribution of the automotive sector to the export basket to the U.S. has declined. Part of this is going to be the trade diversion narrative. We've seen a notable increase in automotive exports to the EU. Um, in 2021, 58% of South Africa's $11.2 billion automotive industry actually went to the EU. But also what we've seen is that when we look at the relationship between U.S. and South Africa, that trade relationship has largely pivoted to non-AGOA goods. So largely, we're looking at critical minerals, I'm looking at platinum, I'm looking at manganese, I'm looking at chrome, and those benefits, those, sorry, commodities don't benefit from AGOA. So what started as a huge contribution in terms of exports, and importantly, labor-intensive exports. We both know that unemployment is incredibly high in South Africa, it's about 30% right now. So those export-led industries were really what South Africa prioritized, if you look at things like its national development plan, to achieve its strategic goals. A goal was very important to that. However, now, while it is important, it's not nearly as important. In 2022, only a fifth of all exports to the U.S. went through AGOA. This compares to when I look at both AGOA and the general uh, system of preferences, another trade program, it was 45% in 2013, so just a decade ago. Now, when I combine both trade programs, it's only 25%. So we see that a, a smaller share of South Africa's exports are going through this program, which in a way confirms the, the cries of U.S. policymakers that we need to find a way to make it more beneficial. Okay, and this leads on to my next questions. There are many critics out there who say that there has not been enough information on how South Africans can benefit from it, and therefore it has not led to as much benefit as expected. What would you say to the critics? So two things. The first is that the U.S. is an incredibly important export partner. So between 2016 and 2021, the U.S. was the fastest growing export market for South Africa. In that five-year period, we saw exports rise by $8.1 billion, which is about 139%. That's double the increase of the second fastest growing market, which is India. So what we want is we want to continue that trajectory of being a fast growth partner. However, you're right. It's what the findings of our paper that's coming out between URSA and the Brookings Institution soon actually highlight. And one of the solutions that we know has been very successful um, in other African countries is the development of an AGOA utilization strategy. When Congress last reauthorized AGOA in 2015, they called for countries to develop a utilization strategy, but they did not mandate it. So 
participating countries sh could produce and publish a utilization strategy, but they didn't have to. However, what we know is that countries that have developed these strategies have seen an increase in a couple of things. One is export diversification. Similar to South Africa, most countries that benefit of AGOA actually do it in a kind of a concentrated basket of export. And what we want to do is say, you know what, it's not just going to be textile and apparel manufacturing in Ethiopia and Lesotho. It's not just going to be the beef industry in Namibia. It's not just going to be the automotive industry and food and beverages in South Africa. We want more industries. It's also going to increase production of goods. So we do know that AGOA, when it first came in in 2000, spurred the increase in not just exports, because then you could make a case about tra trade diversion of going to the US or the EU, but actually in terms of absolute volume of production. So it, what we want is this strategy provides like a, a roadmap of how these countries can increase exports to the US and what steps they need to kind of address the various supply and market challenges that can be faced by exporters. And then what happens is we want kind of a public-private consortium of representatives to drive that implementation. And it requires, for example, investment promotion support and other you know, infrastructure support. And the strategy kind of provides that basis. So when I look at South Africa's economy, what I really want is for more goods to be benefit from AGOA and you know tying into the whole um, the world is undergoing a significant change right now with climate change and the green energy mm -hmm. transition and South Africa does export a significant amount of vehicles but that automotive industry is about to take a slam because the majority of these vehicles are going to the European Union and they are what we call our internal combustion engine vehicles they use gasoline they use diesel but these vehicles are not what Europe is going to continue buying starting 2035. It is illegal for Europe, the UK, which likes to think it's not Europe sometimes, to buy these vehicles. You're going to have to buy um, electric vehicles, hybrid vehicles, and South Africa is not producing those. So we want to mitigate kind of the what's going to be an adverse impact on South Africa's economy emanating from these environmental changes. We need to diversify production and identify new things that can benefit from preferential trade agreements. So it's a really important time because I can't decide to do that in 2035 when these bans come into play. I need to have the foresight now to say, all right, we have a Goa, let's diversify our goods. Very interesting. And I was thinking of the growing trend of climate change policies that are being implemented in America and Europe and how that would affect our industry. And I'd imagine that would impact the demand for lithium and uh, minerals that are involved with rechargeable batteries. What advice would you have for South African manufacturers, generally speaking, in terms of the climate change policies coming out? Is there a place where they could go to find out information on, on these things? So I think there's two points that you raise. So I think the first one is, is that South Africa is very uniquely positioned to benefit from environmental policies, actually. Um, if I look at South Africa's kind of commodity profile, it's one of the wealthiest non-petroleum jurisdictions in the world. And South Africa has minerals that everybody wants for the green energy transition, right? 
I'm thinking about platinum, palladium, manganese, chrome, and a lot of these commodities, South Africa has a huge hold on. South Africa has over 80% of chrome and platinum. But South Africa's got bigger challenges that are inhibiting its ability to integrate into that transition to make those batteries. And one of them being is investment in the mining sector is flowing outwards. South Africa was ranked one of the 10 worst mining jurisdictions in terms of attractiveness to investors last year. And that's going to be policy um, instability. That's going to be currency depreciation, energy. Um, you know, I spent seven years living in South Africa and I got very used to not having lights. It's odd now to have <laughs> lights on all day. And that's going to be a big deterrent. Water shortages are a deterrent. And so even though these commodities exist and South Africa could benefit enormously from not only production, but processing, manufacturing. It's not necessarily getting all of those benefits right now because of these structural challenges. So one is addressing those challenges would be a huge benefit for integration into the green energy transition. And one of the things that from the US side is building in a critical minerals provision in terms of AGOA could enable both increased trade, but also incentivize investment into South Africa's um, mining sector. The second point I think about how do people learn more about this is that's a great question. And I actually recently got a message from someone who works in the presidency on how do we find manganese investors, right? And I kind of was dwelling on that recently. And the reality is South Africa needs to be a bigger presence at these mining forums. So we have international mining forums, right? I'm talking about Future Minerals in Riyadh. I'm talking about PDAC in Toronto, mining in Daba, obviously, which we have a great presence at in Cape Town, IMARC in Australia. And a lot of deals are made in these forums. And I think we need to actually bring in this has to be a public-private effort, right? So great, private investors are looking at South Africa because it's obviously very lucrative in terms of the actual actual minerals underground. But this is where South African policymakers need to say, you know what, we're going to develop this agreement and we're going to stick to this agreement. We're not going to change the mining charter three more times so that it ends up in court and you know companies are like, I can't meet my obligations every time it changes to say, you know, we're going to develop this agreement. It's going to be here for, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And come investors, we will make sure that you have an enabling environment for doing business. That is really, it's very much a coordinated effort on both ends to ensure that South Africa benefits from the green energy transition and isn't hurt from it alone. Yeah, this is, this is very interesting. And what I like and what I'm taking from this is that when we listen to the news and we see what has been happening. South Africa has expressed an interest in renewing AGOA and the US has affirmed an unreserved commitment to strengthen bilateral relations with South Africa. And this is really about strengthening the market, which, which I really like. So if we look at coming back to the AGOA forum and the forum itself is about building a resilient, sustainable and inclusive AGOA. And the onus is on the US to renew it. If we look at what has happened this year at the BRICS summit, we now have new members, including Iran. We've also had another war in the Middle East between Hamas and Israel. And while South Africa supports Palestine, America is more on the side of Israel. What risks does this pose to the relationship going forward and the probability of a Goa being renewed in the future? It is well within South Africa's right to support Palestine. There is a lot of solidarity between the two, you know, between the two, given that in a way, 
what's happened in Israel and Palestine is very reminiscent of apartheid as we, we know it, right? Supporting Palestine is not going to be the basis for revoking Agoa. There are countries all over the world, including in Europe, who are standing behind the Palestinian people. Personally, I support Palestine and believe we do have an obligation to support the people on it. I mean, out of humanity, out of being humanitarian, out of remembering that all people are created equal. Now, what's different is if, you know, providing material support to Hamas, which is a terrorist group. And I don't, there's no indication that that's been happening, you know, on that front. But I do think that supporting Palestine is completely a very reasonable position. And if South Africa holds that position, that's fine, you know, again, solidarity. But we need to differentiate support to Hamas versus support to the like people of Palestine. Yes, yeah, there is a there is a big distinction. It really is a complicated a complicated situation. But I'm really happy that this Ago Forum has taken place. And you know, like you said, if we can develop a good Ago utilization strategy and overcome challenges making the business environment more attractive, it will definitely create a platform where we can work together and and go forward is there anything else you would like to add it's an exciting time to be you know having lived in south africa for as long as i did and then now being based in dc one of the things that i love so much is like that both sides really want to work together you know i've never had any indication that south africa didn't want to work with the u.s and when i walk through kind of the policy space in the u.s Everybody wants to work with South Africa, number one. And two, there's a lot of support for Goa. And I think sometimes the rhetoric between, you know, the big ocean in between gets a little bit mixed in that regard. But it's more of thinking not if we work together. It's like, how do we work together? We know Mm -hmm. that South Africa has seen a lot of divestment. We know that there is a crisis of confidence in the economy. We know that currency volatility has not served South Africa well at all. When I arrived in South Africa 13 years ago, it was about nine rand to a dollar. It's about 19 now. Um, And that has a huge impact on doing business, right? And I think that we want to work together. And it's more of thinking from the South African side of what reforms does it take to create a more attractive space for investment, for facilitating those investments that generate both jobs and facilitate trade. The President Ramaphosa's economic model and has always been export-led trade, right? So if I want to have an export-led growth model, whether it's mining or agriculture or manufacturing, that has to have an enabling environment. I think if we can get those reforms right, the sky is really the limit on what an economic partnership can look like. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much, Gracelyn. It is a pleasure having you on our show. Um, it's always a pleasure chatting to you. Thanks for having me. So we look forward to reading your research that will be coming out, both at the Brookings Institution and ERSA. And uh, we look forward to hearing about how climate change policies will impact the South African economy going forward. I'm Margot G, and this is the ERSA podcast series. A big thank you to our listeners. And if you haven't yet, please follow us on our social media channels. Till next time.